What's up guys? Today we want to talk about uh, what you need to do to prevent divorce, unnecessary divorce in your marriage, uh, to protect your marriage, to fight for your marriage. Our information is coming from Take Back Your Marriage by William Doherty. And um, one of the things that is mentioned is the, uh, the typical reasons uh, why couples end up getting divorced, at least in America, probably in most of the Western world and Australia and uh, Europe, is uh, are what he calls soft reasons. You know, hard reasons would be things like somebody's being abused, somebody's being taken advantage of, mistreated um, in a physical way, you know, or um, uh, maybe drunkenness, uh, those kinds of things. Uh, soft reasons are more those emotional things that we feel that we ought to be able to work through. We ought to be able to, through um, you know, making some different decisions um, or being more attentive to the need needs of our spouse, we ought to. They're solvable problems. Uh, these soft problems and soft problems are the primary reasons for divorce uh, in our in our culture now. And the two reasons given by more than half of all people going through a divorce are growing apart from one another. In other words, we just don't feel like we have much uh, unity or harmony in the home. We're going in different directions. And the second one is not being able to talk together. So communication problems. Now those are the, the two largest reasons, you know, for uh, half of all divorces more than half of all divorces are those are soft reasons those are things that we ought to be able to work through we ought to be able to to solve if we had a good you know maybe good family around us to support us or some friends or a good marriage therapist or pastoral care or something we ought to be able to work through growing apart um, nobody's being abused there you know the money's not being all spent on drug addictions um, it, you just have different goals or you're moving in different directions. You're, you don't have the intimacy that you used to have. Not being able to talk together, not being able to communicate well, that's a solvable problem. That's a soft problem. It, it's not that it's not painful. These soft problems can be very painful, but they're solvable problems. If both of you would commit to working on it, you could solve these problems. The next five most frequently cited reasons why couples get divorced are how one of the spouses or how both the spouses handle money. So money's right up there in the top reasons or the abuse of money or the lack of money or the misuse of money is up in the top reasons for divorce. So very important that we get a handle on uh, our finances, our personal finances. Um, that was um, 40% of couples had problems with with money um, infidelity and personal problems of my spouse that's pretty serious problems uh, not getting enough attention now think about this the infidelity is 37 percent and not getting enough attention 34 percent so not getting enough attention is a soft problem i can give you more attention you know uh, that's something that we can do we can give each other more attention. That's why maybe turning the television off or putting the, um, you know, the Facebook down or Instagram down for a while and getting away from the distractions, like, you know, sometimes taking a break from the kids, just getting a babysitter 
we can solve that problem of getting more time together, getting more attention. And while we're giving each other more attention, work on communication. Even if it's clunky at first, you know, if we go for a walk and we don't have anything to say, we can just talk about something. If we make a commitment to just, let's start just talking about, you know, anything, the politics, weather, baseball, anything, you know, any family, health problems, whatever. So these are solvable problems. All right. The spouse's personal habits, just things that's a cause for divorce people you know just don't like each other's bad habits annoying habits and then uh alcohol and drug problems uh, are in the top 10 at 22 percent alcohol and drug problems um so you see that you know more than half of all marriages ending in divorce cite really problems that are solvable and right now you might be in the middle of you know marriage crisis or marriage coldness maybe you're the way you fight is you get real quiet like a cold war uh you could feel it's not that these things again aren't painful they can be very painful very frustrating very hurtful but very solvable so um early intervention and hard work and dedication on your part could really begin to solve the the potential crisis that may be coming for your marriage serious problems but they're problems that if you owned up to them um, and said them out loud you could probably start to develop a plan to to resolve them and to work on them Uh, but what we do is we tend to blame each other that's what we tend to do we tend to blame each other and say you know you're not living up to my expectations and we may not say it that way but that's really what's coming across is you're not living up to my expectations I'm not getting a good deal here. You're the problem. You're the reason why we are, we are having problems. And when we have that critical spirit, which is a consumer-oriented mindset, when we have that critical spirit to evaluate whether or not I'm getting a good deal, we're going to tend to emphasize the things that are going to destroy our marriage. We're going to emphasize all of the failures in our spouse and maybe fail to see the good. We may become blind to the good, um, because we're just focused on pointing out the things that frustrate us. That's what we see. Um, so maybe a more uh, helpful message that a therapist could give a, a person in a marriage that's having a problem, a, a serious problem, a hard problem, is uh, if they could give a message like this, I love you, if they could tell their spouses, I love you and I want this marriage to work. I'm committed to you. I'm committed committed to this marriage. But we've got some major problems that we're going to have to work on. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to, part, to be part of the solution to those problems. See, that focuses the attention back on what can I do to help, not you need to change, which is not we're going to be very productive. You need to change. Um, you want to communicate a message of I'm committed to you. I'm committed to this relationship. Uh, you're the most important thing in the world to me. Um, but we've got some issues. Maybe we need to talk, work on the way we communicate. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to solve this problem and to be a part of solving this problem. And that communicates trust. It communicates love. It communicates commitment. Um, and but it's also real by addressing the problem see sometimes the problems can become more significant and more problematic because we don't want to deal with them so 
the person that's frustrated in the marriage may not want to address the problem because they're already have decided that 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 this isn't solvable and so the other, I'm, so they start making plans to kind of back out of the marriage. And then the person who maybe is creating the problem or is perceived to be creating the problem doesn't want to address the problem either. They want to put their head in the sand and hope that the problem just resolves itself. And so neither person in the marriage may really want to talk about the problem because one's kind of made up their mind that this is never going to be resolved. It's never going to be never going to be different and so they kind of withdraw from the relationship and say well you know there's they're never going to change and i'm tired of fighting it and i'm frustrated and they may be begin be be beginning on a course to sort of withdraw or evacuate that marriage and the other person is not wanting to address it because they maybe they don't want to change they don't want to change and they're sick of hearing about it or they want to put their head in the sand and just hope that the problem takes care of itself, which problems rarely take care of themselves. So you might be afraid to address the problem um, specifically, but it may be healthy for you to begin by address- and do it in that way of, I'm committed to the marriage, I'm committed to you, but we've got some things that we need to work on. Um, one of the things that the author says is you can bring down any, almost any good marriage within two years if you'll just follow, and he gives you some ways to destroy your marriage. And number one is focus on what you're not getting out of the relationship. When you focus on what you're not getting out of the relationship uh, that you feel like you deserve, um, you're going to become hypersensitive to everything wrong that your spouse is doing or everything that you don't like. And realize a lot of this stuff that frustrates us is just personality stuff. For example, if you know the Enneagram, you know, you might be married to a five uh, on the Enneagram, the investigator, who are known to kind of be emotionally detached, emotionally distant, yet you have all these expectations that you're going to have these deep and emotional connections, these deep emotional connections, these deep emotional uh, displays and uh, or affection and all these things but somebody who's a type five on the enneagram that's just not natural to them probably to just get all emotional they want to be emotionally detached that's where they feel safe is when they're emotionally detached and so it can be hurtful to you if you don't understand personalities and you don't understand how a person's wired Um, and you may take it personally and be very sensitive about it but just not being not understanding you know what role personality plays in the conflict that you're going through or the challenges that you're going through relationship challenges that you're going through so if you don't do any work on personalities you're going to be frustrated a lot in your relationships i would highly encourage you if you haven't yet to go back and watch the videos i've made that have been about the enneagram or watch somebody's videos get some articles or something so that you understand personalities and the importance of those dynamics because you're going to be frustrated in your relationships if you don't understand what each type what each of the nine types of personalities what their goals are and how they operate and what they need in order to feel loved and cared for so i would highly encourage you to do some work on understanding your own personality and then understanding especially your mate your spouse all right so let's see 
Um, for whatever reasons, we tend to obsess on what we're missing and the deficiencies of our spouse and the feelings that we're entitled to more. And, um, you know, if you want more, then give more. If you want more out of your marriage, you want more out of your relationship, instead of always focused on what they're not providing, focus on what you can provide. Uh, focus on what you, and one of the things you can provide is leadership. Leadership is when you stop just thinking about being an advocate for yourself in your marriage and say, here's all my needs and are you meeting my needs? But you start saying, I'm fighting not just for my needs like a customer, but I'm going to fight for us. Us. I'm going to be an advocate not just for what I want and need, but I'm going to be an advocate for our marriage. See, in every marriage, there's kind of three partners. There's me, you, and us. The consumer-oriented mindset tells us, look out for your own needs. And I think that's important to a degree. You want to, make, you want to understand what your needs are. So read his needs, her needs. Read Willard Harley and all that. You want to understand what your needs are, and you want to understand what your spouse's needs are. And you want to prioritize them so that you know what your three, four most dominant needs are, what her, what your spouse's three or four, maybe five most dominant needs are right now. You want to be able to identify those out of the 10 needs. But you can't just think about, are my needs being met? If you do, then you've always got a grade book and you're always grading the other person. So now you have an eye for hypercriticism to see if they're meeting your needs. And of course, if you want to get you know very technical about it there's nobody that could ever meet your needs fully there's no person you can marry that's ever going to meet all your needs so learning to live with that is part of what's going to heal your marriage is just adjusting your attitude and saying look i can't be focused on whether or not my spouse is meeting my needs i want to try to meet their needs and communicate my love for them and I'm not just going to be an advocate for my needs. I'm going to be an advocate for us, the us of the marriage. In other words, I'm going to do whatever it takes to work on building the us. Not just fighting to get what I want out of this marriage, but fighting for the safety of the marriage. And that means sometimes you're going to have to take the initiative. One of you is going to have to take the initiative. And since you're watching the videos, it's probably going to be you. One of you is going to have to take the initiative to say, I'm willing to work on this marriage. I'm willing to see a marriage therapist or counselor or go to my pastor or, or get some help or read some books. I'm willing to, to do some of the difficult work and have some of these conversations with my spouse that I've been avoiding. Maybe I've been avoiding because they're uncomfortable. And I'm willing to put my needs on hold in order to try to meet their needs, in order to try to minister and take care of them. And if both of you could learn to adopt that attitude of I'm here to meet your needs and I don't need to just focus on what I'm getting back out of this, uh, what you'll see is that your marriage starts to turn around. It really does. Your marriage starts to shift and you start moving toward health as you put the need of the marriage ahead of your own personal needs. All right. Let's see.
Many divorces come after dozens of small decision decisions to emphasize the bad and downplay the good about the marriage or the spouse. Many divorces happen as a result of many little decisions that downplay the good and emphasize the frustrations. To avoid looking at one's own flaws and to focus on better options than the mate you have. You're focusing only on ratcheting up our own disappointments. We can turn our mate into someone we'd want to leave. In other words, when we focus on every frustration and everything that irritates us and we uh, are looking at what we're not being given and the needs we're not being supplied in our marriage, we can kind of in our mind turn this spouse into a tyrant. And then, you know, feel very justified when 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 the marriage is over. Um, and uh, most of our friends don't know what to do to help us. Remember, they're going to try to be supportive of you and maybe not be good advocates for your marriage. Um, may not know how to be good advocates for your marriage. Um, leadership for the marriage is different than fighting for your own needs. Okay, we're talking about the best marriages. Both people are leaders. Um each spouse is personally seeing themselves as responsible to, um, to heal the marriage. Um, if you wait for the other person to take initiative, you know, you, uh, you may never see any improvements or changes in your marriage. So you got to take the initiative. You have to take the initiative. You have to feel like it's 100% your responsibility. You know, of course, it's 100% both of your responsibility, but you need to take the position that healing this marriage, growing this marriage, uh, solving our problems, that all of this is 100% my responsibility. And if both of you do that, um, that you're both showing leadership in that marriage. Um, if that word divorce comes up, then you need to stop that word. Somebody needs to interrupt the conversation and say, look, I'm really uncomfortable with that word being thrown out. We need, I'm never going to use that word. I'm not, I don't want a divorce and I'll do everything necessary to not ever get a divorce. And that word needs to go away from your language because it's so powerful and so deadly to the marriage and so detrimental that once that word gets out, it's kind of like a snake that just slithers around creating unrest and wreaking havoc in your in your home so when that word if it comes out which it never should but if it comes out there needs to somebody needs to put a stop to it immediately and say i'm not going to use that word and i don't think we should use that word um because it it overwhelms the conversation um and creates a momentum of its own a negative momentum and again, don't accept no as an answer. When you decide that you're going to put the marriage first and you're going to work on the marriage and you're inviting your spouse to be a part of that solution and they maybe for whatever are so bitter, so hurt, so withdrawn, so disinterested that they don't show any initiative, that doesn't mean that changes can't happen if you'll start making changes. That doesn't mean improvements can't happen if you start making improvements. So the invitation is always out to your spouse to be a part of the solution. Um, but you go ahead and proceed. Don't say, well, they don't even want to work on it, so I guess it's over. See? See? No. You go ahead with intensity and say, well, as for me and my house, I'm moving forward and I'm going to do everything I can to make this the greatest and the best relationship and the best marriage we can have. And watch that momentum start to move the other person, start to change the family and change the dynamic. 
So don't take no for an answer. Nobody can make you stop loving them. Nobody can make you stop running forward. Nobody can make you stop changing your own life. And when you change your own life and take responsibility for what you can take responsibility for, you will change the dynamic. And you will. And it may get a little harder at first, but it's going to pay off dividends if you don't quit. But you got to be focused and you got you got to you got to be passionate about this. Listen, your happiness is directly related to the happiness and success of your marriage. So be an advocate for us. Be an advocate that we're not going to accept less than the best for our family and for our home. And I'm going to do everything I can do to turn this around and give it the attention it deserves. One last quote here. The battlefields of divorce are strewn with the carcasses of couples who started out with love, commitment and good intentions as stresses and dissatisfactions mount up they need marital leadership to stay afloat and what he means by marital leadership is one of you and at best both of you own the responsibility to turn this thing around you don't start trying to turn it around and then realize well the other person isn't given their fair share so i'm done no you take leadership and responsibility that if it's going to be, it's up to you. Invite the other person to join you in the process. But you've got to take that leadership of the marriage and fight for us. Quit fighting for your own needs and desires and fight for the needs and of, of, the, of the whole marriage. Um, all right. Well, I wish you guys the best. And I wish your homes the best. And uh, I'm glad you're on this journey with me. And let's do this together. Be present to life. Don't give up. Uh, stay in the game. It's worth it. All right? It's worth it. I'll see you guys later. Bye.